going to show a few little pickies up on the thing here. And some of those who, who probably get under 30 might not know some of these things, okay? Remember the camera with the roll of film inside? <laughs> that when you took the film out, what did you do? Off to the chemist, right? Put it in, wait a couple of days, pay big dollars. And when you get it back, they're blurred, <laughs> red eyes, closed eyes, you know? Um, Waste of money. You get one out of 12 that work well. Kodak's now out of business. In the late 1980s, I had a mobile car phone. Looked like this. <laughs> you had to be a strong man to carry it around. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't that wealthy to buy, but my older brother had one, so he passed down to me when he got something a bit smaller. But massive heavy. Massive heavy. What do we do with a phone these days? Yeah, amazing. Those of you who are, well, probably not as old as me even, used to go to the dump. Wasn't going to the dump fantastic? You take your junk and bring back the treasures. Yeah? <laughs> and Jen would say to me, the, the trailer's fuller now than what it was when you went. Fantastic. Now, back in the late 80s, we lived in America for a couple of years where I studied, Jen, myself, and, and Kiralee and Simon. And remember these airmail letters? Who doesn't remember them? Come on, put your hands up. Probably all the ones who don't remember outside uh, with their kids, uh, with Matt. So, yeah, remember them. And it'd take a week to send to Australia and another week to get one back. So two, every two weeks we get information from Australia. Now, TV watching. Look at this one, eh? Who had a model like that, <laughs> eh? Fantastic. Now, we can watch telly on our phones. Netflix, Stan, Foxtel, you name it. And I, I haven't got one of these screens, but Murray might have one, I guess. But, yeah, the screens that you can put two or three stations on at once. Yeah, you have? <laughs> oh, how crazy that is, eh? What about 3D printers? I haven't got a picture of a 3D printer. Um, they make things like coffee mugs. Um, artificial limbs, guns, would you believe? All sorts of, sort of bullets they have them in. And I was um, listening the other day to a podcast that was saying that uh, 3D printers now, they've got one in San Francisco that will make a one-bedroom home. Amazing, isn't it? Well, this one, driverless cars. Okay, that'll sort of deal with road rage, I reckon, into the future. They're saying that maybe 15 to 20 years... Um, driverless cars will be the big thing on the road. There are changes in our technology all the time. Rapid changes in health with uh, greater unknown diseases that are out there and uh, lack of immunity to some of them. Increase in mental health issues as time has passed. Increase in terrorism in our world. Increase in social media with Facebook, Twitter, Instagrams. And uh, the researchers say that some 75% of people who have internet are on social media in some form. These massive changes are going on. Why? And it seems that people are pursuing something, wanting to find, discover something, to make life easier, to bring happiness be more fulfilled, uh, to have more wealth, to be more liked, to have more fun, 
to have something to live for, to gain meaning and purpose. You know, I guess it's a drive within our humanity, isn't it? So what are you? What am I? What are we in pursuit of? I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 1, um, verses 19 to 26. And this is a... Uh, I love the book of Philippians. It is... It is it's a bit like a, an insight into Paul and his, um, his intimacy with, with Jesus. And, uh, but I'll read to you from Philippians 1. If you want to follow on the screen. For I know that through your prayers... This is Paul writing from prison uh, to the church of Philippi. And God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that is, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for men like Paul who had such a, an intimate experience of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, you'd open up these scriptures today. You'd help us to understand things that uh, will challenge us, will allow us to grow, will allow us to be more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. These verses, in my opinion, do form one of these marvellous passages in which Paul in opens the door and uh, invites us into his inner thoughts. Paul's honesty, his transparency, is refreshing and challenging. Many of you would have, and, and those thoughts have challenged me over the years too, many of you probably have heard me ask these sorts of questions. If you've had conversations one-on-one -on -one with me, uh, these things have come out of my mouth at different times. What is your reason for being? Or why are you here? Or, what is the meaning of life? Or some such questions. As I read that passage in Philippians 1, I have no doubt whatsoever, and hopefully you might not either, that Paul, he was in passionate pursuit of Jesus. And it seems from a number of Paul's writings that the purpose for which he lived is understood in the big picture. By that I mean his perspective was always in the context of his living and his dying. It wasn't just a living experience, it was a living and dying. It was the big picture of why God had created him. 
In chapter 1, verse 20, we read these words, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now and always, as always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. So that whether he lived or whether he died, Christ would be magnified or glorified in his body. We are the messengers of the message, as Paul was. In our words, in our attitudes, in our actions. And I'm sure you know this, but I want to remind you, we are always being watched. People are always watching us. It's often seen in our children, but it's seen, we watch people, we observe people, you do, I do. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones made these words about that verse for me, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That sentence, he said, is not only a statement of Paul's true experience, but is also a standard judgment which confronts us with the most thorough test of our Christian faith we will ever encounter. Every person who professes Christ Uh, as saviour and lord must grapple with the question can i honestly say for me to live is christ if i can say yes to that then i have also answered that fundamental question what about death and what lies beyond we must be able to say i will it will be gain for me and i do enjoy john piper as a teacher and he made this really potent statement about just a, uh, about um, this this section scripture. God is most glorified or magnified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Wow. God is most magnified or glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. To be satisfied to me is to be fulfilled, to be content. No need for anything extra. Don't upsize me. Just get that. Satisfied is what it is. Being satisfied and being most magnified, a complete magnification. To make something appear larger and clearer. To see Jesus more clearly. We talk about here regularly to go deeper to lean into Jesus, to be intentional, be committed, and be disciplined. More of Jesus, less of me. On Paul's second missionary journey, going back in time, he helped to start the church in Philippi. In Acts 16, we read of that account. And and Philippi was was a colony of retired Roman soldiers. So these Philippian Christians... um, you know, had grown up and a lot of them had lived or been connected with uh, Roman soldiers and, and I guess the, the, uh, the force, the power force of that time. And they had great respect for Paul. So when they heard he was in prison, they decided to collect some money and they sent that money to him via Epaphroditus. Now, just, this is in context too, just thinking of Paul, Paul is a very self-sufficient man. He'd been a tent maker 
And that's the way he financially supported himself in ministry. And yet these Philippian, this Philippian church, these people sort of saw the desire to support and to demonstrate that in a practical way. And as a result of uh, uh, the, 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 the funds coming to him, then he sent them a letter. And this is the result in Philippians, uh, this letter. So Paul's imprisonment was no restriction, had no restriction on his ministry. So he, therefore he wrote in verse 20, in full courage, no half measures, now and always, consistently, that is, every day, no matter what the circumstances, Christ, I want Christ to be magnified in my body. I want people to see Jesus in my very living, my very existence. For to me, again, to live is Christ by living, and to die is gain in death. How was Christ shown to be magnified? made magnificent in Paul. And I think in verse 22 we get some insight into this. When he, when he talks about being fruitful in his labour. Being fruitful in his labour. And this then relates back to the earlier part of Philippians in verses 9 to 11. Sorry I'm all over the place here, but just I guess to get a, a context of what Paul is saying and it's reinforced within this greater letter. And Paul says this in verses 9 to 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may prove what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to, grow, uh, to glory and praise of God. Paul says, it is my prayer. Paul talks about then two dynamics here, I think in verse 9. Your love and your knowledge and discernment. When we, I guess, get a, a, a clearer picture of, of Paul, we see his balance, and we're going to unpack that in just a moment. Because in verse 6 of chapter 1, he says also, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul naturally, as a Pharisee, as he grew up as a little boy, and his, uh, his family, there were members of his family, I think his father was a Pharisee as well, he grew up with great knowledge of the scripture, of the Old Testament. And like, I guess, many Pharisees, he was one who probably could recite massive portions of the Old Testament, of the Pentateuch, and of the words of the prophet. So in this concept of the law, the written law, the teachings of the prophets, and the oral law, the, uh, the traditions of the Jewish people, Paul was a real scholar. Knowledge he had. And it's amazing when you, when you think, Wow, just to gain more knowledge about God and about Scripture. Isn't that fantastic? It is fantastic. But that was only half of what God wanted to do within his life because if that's all it was, then the church would be killed. The church would be dead. Because Paul, in his passion, and he was, he was so passionate about, about, about being righteous before God, 
but didn't have love. So in this truth that he had, he was persecuting the church. He was killing the Christians. But in this verse, it talks about that in love, your love may abound more and more, and your knowledge and discernment, with knowledge and discernment. And it was as if that experience of when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and he had that confrontation with Jesus, and he fell in love. His heart changed. Wow. So therefore, I believe Paul has great wisdom for us, that we might understand that as we understand God's word, as we learn the word, as we, as we take on the truths of God's word, we have knowledge, that we add discernment to that, that we, have, we seek wisdom and how we, 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 we process that information we have through the heart of love, intimate relationship with Jesus. Then as Paul became very complete in effect, as an effective servant of the Lord, so will we. I like this statement. We need truth-saturated love and also we need love-saturated truth. In verse 24, we go on reading, but to remain in the flesh, living, is more necessarily on your account, this is Paul again to the Philippian church, for your progress and joy of faith. The result, so that in me you may have ample cause and glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again. If to live is Christ, then what is death? Death for somebody that we love is a painful loss. The sadness and grief is totally normal. Jesus experienced when he heard that Lazarus, his friend, had died. But we need to be able to appropriately deal with our grief and loss. Because in doing so, it brings about understanding and growth. So, when we have grief and we become stuck, it disables us. It often can create bitterness, resentment, and it causes us to stop living and to stop being forward-moving in our life. So, death, so Paul encourages us to understand that death for the believer is the moving towards an eternal experience with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are no longer bound as we see uh, from the things in life. Things that bind us like worry and anxiety and fear. Things we lose sleep over. Things that cause us pain. Things that prevent us from being free. And then Paul goes on in, in, in verse 23. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I just want you to dwell on that for a minute. It's an amazing thought. Because we live in a world that promotes life. And it does. And, 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 and I, I, it's so true. We, life is important and we've got to live it to its fullness. But not 
at the expense of fearing what is beyond. Because as Christians, there is confidence and there is hope. And I thought I had a, uh, it might have fallen out of my, no, here it is, wrong page. I want to read to you something. Um, I hope I can read it. For those of you who would probably be aware, my dad or bear in mind, dad, um, with my brother and uh, other brother and my sister, he passed away early this year at 95. And um, I've got a letter here that he wrote to us as a family um, on the 26th of January 1994. And this was uh, about a month after his second wife, Jean, had passed away. She died. They were married for three years and um, the first 18 months they had a lot of travelling in that and the second 18 months she had cancer and uh, that restricted them. And she died on Christmas Day in 1993. So he introduces, or he starts by saying, dear, and each of the family members, I continually thank God for the many blessings he has given me during my life. This sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Words completely fail me when it comes to express my thanks to the family for the joys, the pleasures, and all the fulfillment life gives me through each of you. Next to our personal salvation through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, the most precious asset I prize is my family. I thank God for you, a total of 13 precious souls who mean life, and a future for me. And then his dad always signed off. God bless you all real good. Dad and Poppy. And I, I guess I've been reflecting how much dad, until those later years when he got very sick, how much he, he enjoyed life. And I guess when I'm thinking of life, I enjoy life. I embrace life. I find great meaning and purpose in everything I do, which I'm so blessed at my age to do that. I, I really enjoy working, which my wife and others think I'm a bit crazy, but that's just me. But I enjoy holidays. had a lovely couple of weeks away with the family. But most of all, I love relationships. My dad loved relationships. I love marriage having a safe relationship with Jenny, working hard to present a godly model to our children and our grandchildren. I love parenting, being at the birth of both our children. Amazing. Walking carefully down the aisle as she married Ryan. Great day. Officiating at Simon and Ashley's wedding. Great day. Seeing my children happy in their marriages and eagerly taking on the challenges of life and parenting. Fantastic. And yet it's painful, isn't it? I really love grandparenting. I love being a pa. As I said, number three has arrived, so I've got to get to Melbourne a bit more often. But this whole idea of, uh, of investing you know, in, uh, in, into the little ones as we see their lives being shaped... Some of you might not be aware that 80% of our belief system, our worldview, is shaped in the first seven years of life. That's why I see it's so important that I can spend time with my grandkids. And you should too, your children, your grandkids. 
I love family and friends, knowing and sharing of important things in, both that, in life that are both happy and sad, celebrating and carrying the load together, better together in family and in church. I love pastoral care and counselling, crazy me. The privilege of going deeper into the real significant issues of life that have great impact upon us now and in the future. I find walking the walk with people is significantly rewarding. What are you passionate about? What do you love doing? And I'd like to think we all might say we, we are passionate about our relationship with Jesus. And if it's not, maybe something we can talk about if you want to afterwards. But the qualities of life, the, the life experiences that, that you have every day, are you passionate about those things too? Because I believe in being passionate with Jesus, I can be passionate about those things much more effectively. And then as Paul says, and to die is gain. Paul could say this, because at the deepest level, Christ was in him and he was in Christ. We need to be careful that we don't interrupt to die is gain to mean that our continuing body, uh, continuing in the body life, uh, is something we should be glad to escape. No, not at all. To live is Christ. Live it well, live it to your fullest but also to appreciate that for us personally that to die is moving into an internal experience of intimacy with the Godhead. He says in verse 23, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But for Paul to die at that time meant that the Philippians were going to lose so much. Paul was an investor in people's lives. He was an investor in the church. He wasn't a taker, he was an investor. A healthy church is full of givers, but to be givers we also need to have people who are receivers. But if we're all givers, then we all can be receivers. If there's only a limited number of givers, then those givers will dry up. To give what? Time. I am a, I'm a person who's time poor. Jenny, you know, I won't get too personally, but I, and this wasn't part of my notes, but, but you know, Jenny's quality time, that's what she likes from me. And we had a great week last week waiting for a baby to be born and being in a hotel down in Melbourne, give our son and daughter-in-law a bit of space and for the baby to arrive. Um, and we had every day together. Fantastic. And that's lovely. But how we manage then our time? How do we give our time? How do we use our 168 hours in a week effectively and appropriately? How do we show genuine care? How do we really listen to people so that they can feel they're being heard? How do we show practical support? We have been blessed to be a blessing. How do we commit ourselves to praying daily? And we've got a lot of people in our church family and I guess uh, one removed from the church family who need prayer regularly. Are we committed daily to praying 
Is that part of our giving? Do we show unconditional love and acceptance? That's part of our challenge too. Verse 25 says, Convinced of this, I know I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will, will abound on account of me. Wow, Paul, on account of me. You've got tickets on yourself, mate. I thought that a long time ago. But as time has passed, I've become very aware that Paul has a very clear self-awareness. The reason I say that is that Paul, in Scripture, writes of, his, of the two extremes within his life. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Fantastic. And then he adds his little bit on the end, a little bit personal, of whom I am the worst. No, he's not, I am. Just he might say, no, I'm not, he is. I won't speak for you, Dave. The fact is, we, we know ourselves, but Paul says, of sinners, I am the worst. Gee, the poor bloke, eh? Fancy having a self-esteem like that. And then, you flick over to 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 1, and here's Paul, putting his chest out, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What a big head. Now, we can't have it both ways. I guess what I like about Paul is that he's able to understand the extremes of his life he understands in his own self he is so weak he is such a rotten sinner the other extreme he is a model of Christ likeness hey that should be you and me too should be you and me how I understand it in this life is death uh, so life is uh, death is gain if in death I lose everything but Christ, then that is gain. Okay? If in death I lose everything and Christ, then that is loss. Got that? If in death I lose everything but Christ, then that is gain. If in death I lose everything and Christ, then that is truly loss. What Paul was saying, Christ is a greater treasure I gain than any treasure I lose in living. Wow, I've got some treasures in living. I really have. Not any material things, things I've been saying earlier, things I, 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 I appreciate, things I'm passionate about. But that is not the treasure compared to the treasure we're going to have when we're in God's presence forever. The psalmist in 63 says, your steadfast love is better than life. Thank you, God. Hey? Especially when we're feeling like things are really tough, your steadfast love is better than life. I'm going to conclude just with reading another bit of section from Philippians chapter 3, where it says in chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal uh, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage each of you here today and those parents who are out who might watch the podcast during the week. As Paul says, this one thing I do. He could have given us a multiple list, couldn't he? But one thing, this one thing I do. Or do this one thing. Forget what is behind. Let go of what is behind. Don't, don't worry about what's behind. There are restrictions that often hinder us. Be free in Christ to live well today. Magnify Jesus in your living. So forgetting what is behind. Straining towards what is ahead. See clearly that not only in your living today, Christ will be magnified. Christ will be glorified. People will see more clearly who Jesus is because of our living today and tomorrow. And press on toward the goal to, the, to win the prize. And that to die is gain for us personally. Like Paul, let's be in passionate pursuit of Jesus. Let me pray with you, please. Our Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious and merciful God. You have changed our lives, those who are following you. We thank you that you changed Paul's life. You took a man with so much knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. One who felt so right before you as a Pharisee that he felt it was his duty to um, destroy the church, to kill the Christian, the followers of Jesus. And then, in an amazing way, God, you confronted him. Thank you that you did that. Thank you that you confront us. Thank you that our hearts can be changed in love to you. And like Paul, that we would have that knowledge and discernment through love, in love, so that we might live the victory of Jesus in our life every day. Pray your blessing upon us individually and as a church. We thank you again for all that you have done, you are doing and you will do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.